Welcome to Clear Thinking Out Loud, written and narrated by Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge. Hi, I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge, and welcome to What You Can Learn from Milton Erickson's Therapeutic Strategies Beyond Just Hypnosis. The legendary hypnotherapist influence inspires many of the therapy techniques we use today, and Milton H. Erickson, MD, was an unorthodox psychiatrist, congenial family doctor, ingenious strategic psychotherapist, master hypnotherapist, and he's achieved the status of legend. And his case studies are famous for uh, depicting amazing, um, seemingly miracle cures, and numerous Ericksonian hypnosis schools and practitioners have popped up all over the world. And the very development of neurolinguistic programming, NLP, was an attempt to distill the man's flexible therapy strategies into a group of set techniques. And today, Erickson has uh, got followers across the world. Western psychotherapy has much to thank him for, I think. So for starters, largely due to Erickson's influence, hypnosis has shed its shackles of superstition and is now widely recognized as one of the most powerful clinical tools for change. And his skill as a hypnotherapist is certainly what he's most famous for. Brief therapy, solution-focused therapy, uh, strategic therapy, uh, systemic family therapy and child psychology and even sports performance training have all been influenced by Milton Erickson's work and ideas. And there's no doubt about it, the man was legendary. And as with many legends, cults have grown up around him and his life. But I believe that if we study Erickson's life and work merely to increase our sense of wonderment and awe, then we're missing much of the potential of such study. We have to look at what he was doing rather than what he was. Okay. Milton Erickson's life and background. Within his own life, Milton Erickson battled many personal disabilities. He'd often uh, stressed that these disabilities helped him become more proficient at practical problem solving for his clients. His problems began early. So he was born into a poor farming community in Nevada, and Erickson didn't speak until he was four. Later, he was found to have severe dyslexia, profound tone deafness, and also color blindness. At the age of 17, he was um, paralyzed for a year by a bout of polio so bad that his doctor was convinced he would die, Okay, that he had 24 hours to live. And despite, or perhaps because of, his handicaps, Milton Erickson went on to qualify as a medical doctor and psychiatrist. This was from a poor farming background. In the following years, he became the world's greatest practitioner of therapeutic hypnosis and one of the most effective psychotherapists ever. When Erickson was in his 50s, he was struck by a second bout of polio that caused him a great deal of physical pain. Even this became a learning opportunity for him as he became highly effective at treating other people's pain with hypnosis. And he details many of his approaches to sensory alteration and pain control in hypnotic alteration of sensory, perceptual and psychophysiological processes, the collected papers of Milton Erickson, Volume 2, and I recommend you read that. Despite severe illness in his old age, Milton Erickson continued to teach, demonstrate and practice his remarkable skills as a therapist, even when eventually 
confined to a wheelchair. He died at the age of 79. Far-reaching influence. Anyone interested in relieving human misery and developing human potential will benefit greatly from reading about and learning from this remarkable man. And uh, you can look at the recommended reading list uh, below the written material. Milton Erickson influenced major thinkers like Gregory Bateson and Margaret Mead and inspired the developers of NLP and Jay Haley's strategic therapy as well and laid the groundwork for innovators of brief therapy like Paul Vatlovitz, author of the influential book Change. But not content just with treating patients, he was also a great researcher into the extent and limits of hypnosis as a tool for personal change. Hypnotherapy, an exploratory casebook by Milton H. Erickson and Ernest L. Rossi, is a comprehensive and fascinating uh, compendium of Erickson's cases and transcripts and ideas. So I recommend you look at that as well. And reading his many case studies, such as those in Uncommon Therapy and the subtle metaphorical approaches of his storytelling, featured in My Voice Will Go With You, is like entering another dimension. And I've read these books many times and still find unexpected elements buried within the entertaining prose. Going beyond the cult, understanding his understandings. To be as effective as Milton Erickson doesn't just mean aping him, just copying what he was like, but working from similar principles and learning to see and observe in ways comparable with his his legendary human observation. It was perhaps Erickson's farming background that caused him to approach psychotherapy in such a practical way. So when reading his words, it's clear you're reading about people, not about psychology or science, but living, breathing people and real experience. So despite his sophisticated and advanced understandings, his lifelong fascination with teaching healthier personal attitudes shines through. So let's look at seven of the principles and techniques he regularly used. So first off, of course, hypnosis. When Milton Erickson started working as a psychiatrist, the field was limited by certain accepted rigid tenets or dogmas. Hypnosis was widely seen as the dark art. You know, psychiatrists could be removed from their positions for using it, leading to Erickson having to teach it to other psychiatrists in secret at first. And I believe that Milton Erickson had some very important things to say about human motivation and the everyday nature of trance and hypnosis. In addition to its therapeutic value, he showed the central role hypnosis plays in creating and maintaining emotional problems. The Ericksonian Handshake The legendary Ericksonian handshake, whereby Erickson would send someone into a deep hypnotic trance, works along a basic human principle. It taps into the natural human orientation response triggered by shock or surprise. And this occurs with uh, the handshake as a familiar social pattern and of that being interrupted. It's described in Haley on Erickson, another fantastic book. Okay, the role of the subconscious. In the early part of the 20th century, the subconscious or unconscious was seen as a seething hotbed of suppressed conflicts and complexes. So the idea was that it had to be um, vanquished by the rational conscious part of the mind. Okay, And Erickson stressed the wisdom and intelligence of the unconscious mind. It didn't just see it as a, as a negative sort of uh, 
uh, hell-like um, realm. And he didn't view it as primarily negative at all. He would talk of trusting the unconscious with many of life's activities. He didn't see insight into the cause of a problem as the main focus of therapy. Okay. The use of brief therapy. At the beginning of Milton Erickson's career, therapy was often interminable. You know, change was expected to happen very slowly and painfully, if at all. In fact, sometimes it was merely insight that was sought. Erickson would often see a client only once, but still make lasting change happen for those individuals. Okay. Now, backed both by research and the demands of insurance companies, brief therapy is the norm. Lifting the symptom. Driven by the idea that the mind worked exactly like the body, practitioners used to assume that psychological problem behaviours were always symptoms of something much deeper. Okay, deeper was the metaphor that they used, depth. It was seen as superficial to just treat the symptom. And indeed, many practitioners had no idea how to lift a phobia or relieve the experience of depression anyway. Okay. Milton Erickson maintained that if you could lift the handle, a lot could be done with the pot. If you move one part of a pattern, the other, all the pattern has to change. He saw a therapist's first duty as easing or removing the unpleasant psychological complaint. Like nudging the first domino in a, in a row of dominoes, uh, the whole series can topple and start to move. For example, lifting a phobia can lead to increased confidence in other areas. Erickson was directive and strategic in his therapy in a time when the therapist was supposed to be passive. Solution-focused therapy. Until relatively recently, therapy was mainly focused on pathology rather than on individuals' inherent resources. And therapy was usually focused in the past, seeking as it did to uncover the deeper root cause of the client's problem. Erickson's therapy strategies instead focused on future solutions and sought to help develop the skills that people might need in order to move on. And uh, take a look at the seminars, workshops and lectures of Milton H. Erickson, volumes, volumes 1 to 4, for amazing insights into how he worked. Family therapy, another revolutionary approach that now seems like common sense, was Erickson's consideration of the effects of other family members on the client and how that uh, affected therapy. He would view a person as part of a wider system, not just as an isolated individual. If he thought it necessary, he would get other family members involved in the therapy. And this was blasphemy for many of his contemporaries who saw the um, extended family or the nuclear family as irrelevant to the work they were doing with a specific client. Uncommon Therapy by Jay Haley illustrates Erickson's unusual approaches with many unusual and fascinating case studies. So take a look at that as well. Erickson's True Legacy. Now that Milton Erickson is becoming so well known, it's sometimes forgotten that when he started out as a young psychiatrist back in the 1920s, he really was a maverick. Many elements of his work contradicted standard psychological dogma at the time, and it took him a while to become uh, recognized as a leading clinician. And it was only because his results were so consistently good that he rose to prominence. You know, he was a psychiatrist that other psychiatrists went to see for their problems. 
Ericsson wasn't interested in constructing an edifice of psychological theory and trying to get people to fit the theory. He looked to see what people were like first, and he looked at them directly. Then he worked with them as unique individuals. Therefore, many areas of modern psychotherapy have much to thank Milton Erickson for. Solution-focused, brief therapy, family therapy, indirect hypnosis and conversational hypnosis, rapport building, plus many a- other aspects of uh, different therapeutic approaches, owe him much more than just a nod. And although Milton Erickson has been dead for well over 40 years, when we really absorb the best books written about his working methods, we can begin to extrapolate ways of working that go way beyond mere technique or dry theory. It may seem irrelevant, but it is possible that present-day therapists or those in the future may be more skilled than Erickson was. Better therapists. Sounds like blasphemy, but why should it be? Would we term such people Ericksonians? Okay, of course not. And, and he wouldn't have wanted us to. So I hope you found that useful. I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge, and if you'd like to subscribe to my email newsletter, you can find it over at unk, that's unk.com, slash blog. 